This is the Dope Post Podcast, Adam Doe. We have the Hall of Fame Dope Post guest, Matt Hannafon. Welcome back, Matt. Thank you, Adam. It feels good to be back. How, uh, how have you been holding up, my friend? Pretty good. I think by this point, I've kind of got my routine down, have my daily schedule set, and life's getting better. So walk me walk me through the, the Hanif routine. What, what are you doing? What do you do when you wake up? What do you do when you're about to sleep? Let's, let's hear it. Uh, I live and die by the get everything done as soon as I wake up routine. And then second half of the day, I just kind of hang out and chill. That's what I got going on. Nice. Um, any any uh, outdoor exercises or purely just indoors? Yeah, just working out indoors as much as I can, trying to get out on hikes whenever I can. Okay. So I hear, I heard the hike situation are there, is everyone, you know, being safe while hiking or are they kind of, are some people kind of just playing it risky? I've heard that some of the more crowded trails are getting a little dicey, but I haven't encountered anything out of the norm. Okay. Cause I heard, you know, some hiking paths are really narrow. So some people like, especially if they don't wear masks, it's uh, you know, it makes the whole, it ruins the whole like hiking experience. That's what I heard. So not 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 the case for you no i mean i try to avoid the popular trails as it is but i have heard the same so that's kind of too bad to hear okay i'm doing uh i'm doing outdoor walks near my house there's a like a middle school that i used to go to and it's it's a middle school but also an elementary school so really you know big school to walk around but I still see people, they're still walking like really close to each other. Like I'm the only one that is walking on the side, uh, on the road, the actual street, if you know what I mean. Everyone else is still walking on the sidewalk. So, you know, if no one walks on the street, so that way you, you don't pass anyone. So, Right. I don't think I realize what, I don't know if I'd call myself a germaphobe or just like the attention to detail. I don't think it's come out until all this started occurring. Yeah. It, I know like, the the whole mask um policy for california just came out but you know it says specifically that like if you can't maintain a six foot uh distance from people then you should wear a mask so i really don't want to wear a mask when i'm outside and i want to enjoy the fresh air so that's why i walk on the street and just avoid everyone that's kind of my strategy i like it sounds like a smart plan right um so you were uh, supposed to get that accounting job, but you got your start date pushed back. So how's that going? Good. I mean, at this point, I'm just so grateful to have a job still, um, but just trying to fill my days. Uh, hopefully get some camping in um, as long as campsites stay open. So uh, yeah, I mean, there are far worse things to have than a whole bunch of free time on my hands. How do you feel about uh, missing graduation? Uh, I feel like, I feel like you're, you, you, it doesn't matter that much to you because, you know, I think you're you're a guy who who uh, sees the long term in in things. So you know how how's that for you? Yeah, I mean, I totally get like the symbolism of graduation, but for me, it just wasn't that important. Like the act the act of walking really didn't mean that much to me. I was just bummed because I know it means a lot to like my family to be able to like see me walk and all that stuff. Um, so it didn't really put me off too much. How are you feeling about graduation? Like, are you really looking forward to that moment or what does it mean to you? Well, I'll be staying uh, a fifth year at school. So, you know, with 
with like the whole vaccine thing and no one knowing when that's going to be complete, I wouldn't be surprised if I also don't get to walk next year. But uh, same thing for you. I, I don't really care about the walking situation. I don't, uh, for me, it's like, it's really meant for my parents because like I'm first gen. So they, they probably care more about getting the pictures documented and uh, seeing their two kids graduate because they, they didn't get to. So I, I'm like way more concerned with getting a full-time job after graduating than the actual ceremony stuff. Definitely. Have you heard anything about um, sports business classroom? I just got an email like a co- like an hour ago. Um, they're going to go ahead with the conference, but it'll be virtual and not in person. Um, I still haven't gotten notice if like they need my help with anything. I, I feel like they might need some tech technical stuff, technical help, but um, I still don't know about that. They sent out a survey today asking um, just for feedback on like, you know, stuff like, how much would you be willing to pay for this experience? Because, you know, it's a lot of people involved, so they got to make the budget, you know, balanced out and stuff. Definitely. Oh, that's pretty awesome that they're still putting it on. I'm sure everyone will appreciate that. Yeah. So according to the email, it looks like, it looks like the only thing missing from what they want to do is just, you know, being, doing it in person. I, I, I really, it feels like they're going to try to bring, you know, everyone that's a, a friend of the program and just be a participant, but just, you know, virtually. So that's, that's cool to hear, I guess. Honestly, it might be just as difficult to put it on virtually as it would be in person. Yeah. Well, I, I, re- I think they have time to figure it out. I think it's best to do it before the season starts again, late July. So I'll, I'll put that in my sur- uh, survey feedback, which is like, make sure to do it before the season starts. <laughs> Definitely. Um, is there anything you're looking forward to learning like the second time around? I know it won't exactly be the same information, but are there any like gaps that you want to fill or things that you feel like you could learn more about? Well, I was supposed to be just an intern and my job was actually to manage uh, the audio equipment. That was going to be my job for the program. And then the rest of it was just like getting to sit through it again and listen to listen to stuff again. Maybe um, I don't know if they'll 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 need like the interns to come back and help and participate in the virtual session. So who knows? Um, I know you had a international travel abroad trip planned for after graduation. So that's I'm guessing that's totally canceled, right, or postponed at least. Yeah, definitely uh, postponed for now. But I mean. Everyone in our family has been healthy, thankfully. So I'm just glad that everything else is going well. Yeah. Um, and then camping trip for the next couple of days. Where, where, where are you headed? I've never been to Redwood National Forest. So I'm pretty excited to go up there, check that out, and uh, camp somewhere new for a change. And then I always wanted to know the camping um, lifestyle as of today do most are, are are there still some people who just you know totally go off the grid camping or are are there people who you know do some kind of hybrid with technology and camping uh, wh- where where are you leaning where does your family lean uh my family are not campers whatsoever i i would put myself pretty square in the middle i would say on one side there's what's known as glamping 
which is where like something's more set up, like you have access to technology and that's kind of like the bougie version of camping. But I think it's become like really polarized where there are either people who want really um, high life camping, like they want all the amenities. And then on the complete other side are the people who like want to go off the grid for 14 days, go backpacking, not talk to anyone, like get really, really crazy. So I feel like there isn't as much middle ground. There's kind of like people who prefer like a full immersion camping and then people who just kind of want to dip their toes in for a little bit. You know, Matt, I think I'm the camper that would prefer campsites where I'm, I'm still really close to my car and I can see where the car is. And it'd be cool if I had like a Tesla or something. So instead of like an actual campfire, I just go in the Tesla and have a campfire in the Tesla. Cause you know, you know, it's function where they, they play a campfire on the screen and then they adjust the heater. So it feels like it's, you're, you're being warm. That's what I would do. You know, I never got the point of that, but now I kind of love it. Right. And camping for me, I would not want to, you know, I don't think anyone in my family there are qualified enough to lead, lead the group to like the middle of the forest and then just stay there for like a couple nights or whatever and then navigate back to the car. I don't think we're qualified to do that at all. Well, you know, if we did get a Tesla and schedule a doe post camping trip, you could probably write it off. Just right. Throwing that out there. Right, right. All right. On to basketball talk. Uh, Avery Bradley is out for the Lakers. Um, we talked a little bit about that last night, but, um, you know, the whole coronavirus pandemic it's affecting like everyone's lives but then you know the sports industry isn't an exception um well let's start off with avery bradley uh, how do you uh how, how does how does his absence affect the whole team do you think uh the way i was looking at it was just like the biggest skill that he has that we will be missing i think is the on-ball defense like especially if we out go up against like a Portland or someone with like a premier point guard I just don't know if we have like that guy that we can throw on them and feel good about it it, it makes our conversation a little more difficult I think because um, the NBA as far as I know they haven't released like the game schedule yet right so we don't know exactly like who's playing who for the the eight regular season games yet no we actually do um, oh we so do what they did is they took the existing schedule um, so you just go through the schedule as normal and you skip any game with a team that's been eliminated. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember. I was just a little confused because I know for some teams, the schedule is kind of messed up because the, ne the, the next person on the, the schedule would be like someone that's already in the bubble or something like that. And then some teams would have to play more. I think I'm just confusing myself here, but yeah, what, what you're saying sounds right to me. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I think Avery Bradley, he's recently shown to be like a pretty good shooter, like a reliable shooter for us along with KCP. But I always considered him, uh, him and Caruso as our best on ball defenders. And then everyone else, they were more like shooter oriented guards for us. So big hole on defense. Um, Dwight Howard. Is he, do you think he's going to opt out or will he be with us in the, in the bubble? 
I mean, I hope he stays with us in the bubble. Obviously, if it's like an Avery Bradley, I mean, any of the situations that guys find them in, I will not fault them whatsoever for opting out. But for basketball's sake, I really hope he's still with us because I think that Bradley would be the harder one to lose. But I think losing him and Dwight would uh, put us in some not not serious trouble in the first round or anything, but make our lives more difficult after that first round. I actually think Dwight Howard is the the bigger loss than than Bradley because. You know, even though we're lacking point guards besides LeBron, um, I think the other guards, it's, it's a lot easier for, to uh, replace Bradley with the other guards or like their combination of skills should be good enough to replace Bradley. But the problem with Dwight is that we don't have a backup center, really, unless we, we switch AD to the five. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I definitely think we have more guards that we can replace Avery but I just think that each of those players are so much more flawed than putting AD at the five JaVale and maybe stealing some Marquise Morris minutes at center yeah I I uh I I tweeted last night you know saying that basically with um with Dwight out that would mean either more minutes for JaVale um more small ball or AD going to the five. And then uh, someone tweeted me back saying, like, Markeith Morris. Because I asked, like, did, am I forgetting anything? And that's true. The new guys, Markeith Morris, um, Dion Waiters, possibly J.R. Smith. We don't know how they're going to contribute yet. No, and I see a whole lot of other Lakers fans just jumping on the, oh, Dion Waiters will hop right in. He'll fill that void. But, I mean, we haven't seen him play basketball in so long. What do you think about him? having any kind of role, especially in the playoffs. Dion Waiters. What position does he play again? I, I forget. Um, I want to say last time we saw him, he was mostly playing the two. Let me fact check myself. You're right. Plays at the two. 6-3, shooting guard. He only played three games this season. Nine points, three rebounds, one assist. Well, I don't um, think I realize he's been in the league since 2012. Yeah, by the time that we picked up Dion, like, you know, there weren't any, you know, star um, free agents available for us. I think I think I think we can lump Dion Waiters with our other guards, KCP, Caruso, Quinn Cook, um, yeah. Danny Green. Danny yeah. Green. Danny Green is our our best defender now. I think, right? Um, I would say our best smaller defender. I'd still put AD as our best overall defender. Oh, right, right, right. That's what I meant. Uh, guard defender, as in Danny Green. Yeah, definitely. I think we're going to have to, and I think part of the problem of losing Avery Bradley is just that everyone has to kind of like ratchet up their responsibilities, right? Because like Caruso has been really great when he can defend the second best guard, but now that everyone else kind of has to take on a bigger role, um, I'm kind of curious to see if we find the weak link in the chain or if everyone's able to adapt and improve. J.R. Smith, yes or no? 
as a uh, replacement. Have him on the roster? Yes. As a replacement, no. I do not want him taking any serious minutes. I, I like having him on the roster because every once in a while you throw him out there and he'll just get hot shooting. But other than that, I really wouldn't trust him, um, especially if we're talking about clock management. Yeah. Is it is it just us being holding a grudge over him or are we kind of, you know, are we kind of right on this? I, I feel like when you do something like that in a finals game, you your reputation takes a hit. And I, you know, you could argue that JR and LeBron are close friends and it'd be nice to have another close friend on the team. But after just like a monumental mistake in a finals game like that, I just, I, I don't, I can't get over that personally. Yeah, I was just kind of saying that I don't think we hold what happened to JR or what JR did against him unfairly. I think it's just that that fits coherently into the narrative that he's been declining. And that's just kind of like the iconic moment. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think let's, uh, so let's take everything we just talked about and then actually apply it to the current standings in the NBA um, for the Western Conference. We talked a little bit about this yesterday as well. Uh, Lakers are in the first seed, Matt, and Memphis Grizzlies are eighth. It's a really, really close race for the eighth seed, I think. And, you know, obviously they then be allowed like way more Western teams into the bubble and only one um, Eastern team in. Um, but just like, let's say Memphis just keeps their, their place right now. Um, what's your position on, on the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Lakers matchup? Honestly, of the three teams that could rise up to the eighth seed, so not talking about anyone sliding down or anything like that, but of Memphis, New Orleans, and Portland, I think I'd take Memphis. Um, my only worry as far as matchups would be just making sure that John Morant doesn't get too hot. I feel like Caruso could do a decent enough job. And kind of like you were saying, we just have enough guards that we can throw somebody at him and see how that goes. But uh, who would you most want to play out of those three teams? You mean like, you mean like who do I think would make an entertaining matchup as a fan? Or... Is that what you Yeah, mean? sure. Like, what would be the most entertaining or what do you think is the best matchup for the Lakers? Yeah. I thought, I thought you meant, like, you know, I, I thought you're – I wasn't sure if you were asking, Adam, which, uh, which matchup would ensure the Lakers uh, sweep in the first round and move on to the second round or which one would just make, make it the most entertaining. Um, definitely wouldn't be the most entertaining if, if Memphis played the Lakers, but – I'd say that's the easiest matchup just because John Morant, he's a rookie in the playoffs. I don't think, you know, when you hear, when you think of rookies in the playoffs, it's really just Magic Johnson, right? Who, who plays like at that kind of level that wins. So John Morant, like, I don't think he's invincible to, you know, LeBron playing D on him. Um, Anthony Davis playing D Caruso playing D on him. So I think he's just so easy to neutralize if they wanted to. And so yeah. that's, that's like the easiest matchup for the Lakers, I think. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. And if you're talking entertainment, you could not beat the storylines if we played the Pelicans. Right. Entertainment purposes way, would way, be way more entertaining with uh, Damian Lillard, Zion, um, 
I think that's it. The the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns. First of all, like, don't you think it's ridiculous as well that they're um, the NBA is allowing the Spurs and the Suns and the Wizards into the bubble? Yeah, um, I kind of feel like a lot of the teams that they let in were just putting the rule in so that other teams, uh, especially in the East, like Washington, could get in there. Like, it's not statistically impossible for them to make the playoffs if things were going normally, but it's just very unlikely for them to. So, I like the art, but I understand though that they're they're trying to um, save like the amount of money that they're losing because of the pandemic. So it makes sense to send them in, but I just think it's hilarious that um, the Suns are like being allowed to come in. Um. Anyways, back to the the main the main point here. Portland, uh, Sacramento Kings though. De'Aaron Fox, he's an exciting player, but I'd still take Zion and Damian Lillard and Drew Holiday, CJ McCollum over uh, the Kings, Spurs, and Suns. Oh, from an entertainment perspective, hands down. But that's assuming the Lakers maintain their one seed. So let's say if they let's say if they drop seeds or you know the whole the whole like seeding just mixes up entirely um out of all the one one to eight uh teams in the west who would be you know entertaining and to go against the Lakers Um I think of the teams that we could realistically end up playing I think Houston would be a lot of fun just because the Lakers have had so much success going big and now Houston is just going all in on playing small. So I feel like the clash would be kind of interesting to see. I think my biggest question in that matchup would be kind of who capitulates to the other. Like does Houston say, okay, we're going to go big to try to match up with LA or do the Lakers start pulling centers off and going as small as they can so that they're not getting burned on the perimeter? Yeah. I uh I saw I rewatched um the first game that the Lakers played against the Rockets this season after the Rockets traded away Capella. And I watched the entire thing and I, I made some notes on it. And basically my, my key takeaways for were like the Lakers are just overthinking the, the, the way that they played, I think where they tried to do like their usual um, schemes like they do with other teams where, you know, they, they try to go for the play, the correct play or whatever. But they totally just, you know, overthought it, overthought the fact that the Rockets were, were just so so much smaller than them. And it ended up with the Lakers um, losing. So imagine, I saw so many times where AD was posting up against players like P.J. Tucker. And it, it, it just looked really easy to them. But then... Sometimes, man, how do I communicate this? Basically, if the Lakers play the Rockets, I really think they should just focus on AD, LeBron, their taller players, Dwight Howard, if he decides to go. Focus on the taller players and get them like to score easy buckets against the their shorter Rockets. 
Yeah, I agree. I think especially against Houston, the AD LeBron pick and roll would be really devastating just because especially if they can get ahead of steam going into that, none of those guys are really going to be able to slow them down. And watching the Rockets play, every almost every single play, it's um, hot potato passing around the, the perimeter and just keep passing like really quickly until you get an open shot and hope that you make the three and just like the way that the team is comprised, um, they have really good shooters, right? So they're, they're bound to make threes eventually, and they did that game. Um, if not that, then hand, hand the ball off to Westbrook or Harden where they can just easily make the drive or get fouled, as in Harden's case, and just shoot free throws. Yeah, it's really bizarre how night and day their plan is. Like, they're either playing as much warrior style, just pass it around team ball as they can, or they go all the way to the other side and it's complete ISO. You know, James is just going to work and everyone else is standing outside the arc. It's bizarre. It works right. really well. Right. It's and very clunky. Even the game that I watched where they, they the Lakers made, like, a, this really good effort to defend James Harden by doubling him up and just not letting him score – they didn't. They they still couldn't stop Westbrook because Westbrook actually shot really well from the mid range. And if not from the mid range, then he just like drove and just like steamrolled into the the hoop. Yeah, I feel like the only way that we could really improve on that is just, especially if it's AD or someone else who's kind of an interior defender, if they could just sag off of Westbrook. Because I think at the end of the day, we'd take him shooting as many shots as he want over letting him drive and then either finish at the rim or kick it to a shooter. Would it be accurate for me to say that the Rockets' offense is in some ways, like, super simplified down? Like, there isn't that – like, just from I'm, – I'm sure from the coaching side, there must be, like, thousands of things that they're considering. But for us, like, shoot layups and dunks, free throws – or three-pointers, except for Westbrook, he can kind of just do whatever. And for him, that's like mid-range shots. So I think like teams going up against them, they should also try to keep things simple like that. And if they try to do like really advanced, complicated stuff, it might not work out. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's really simple on the plays that they run. Like I think the concepts are very simple. Because everyone's a shooter, so they don't have some center screening or anything like that. I think where it gets complicated is the position mapping. Just because, I mean, Westbrook is a guard on defense and then plays offense like a center. So I think that that part is really bizarre, where you almost have to play them completely differently on offense and defense. I think it's very rarely, okay, he guards me and I guard him, and that's kind of just the way it is all game. Team-wise, I think... I'm I'm more scared of the Rockets than I am of the Pelicans or the Blazers. Like the Pelicans and Blazers, I'm scared. I'm more scared of people like Damian Lillard or Zion, like really taking the spotlight for himself and being a star in the matchup. But as a Rockets, like their whole team idea and the whole team um, design of what we just talked about, I'm like way more scared of that. I think, and you know them trading away their starting center in the middle of the season. No one's ever done that, I think. And no one's ever, you know, had a freaking game where James Harden is the one um, trying to get the ball at tip-off. 
Yeah, it's amazing. They're almost just giving in at that point. What do you think about um, how Houston's going to adapt from losing Ariza during these games? That's true. So Ariza is like old, a little older now. So should we like attribute that much? Um, is he, you know, that, that big of a contributor to the team? I think that he just played a valuable role kind of in between the two different types of players. Like, I don't think they have a really good small forward defender now. I think they have a lot of guys like Tucker and Covington who can guard some of the bigger players and then some smaller guys who can do well on guards. But I think that kind of gray area in between was where Ariza really helped them gel. Wait, are you talking about now or before? Because I'm seeing Ariza was a trailblazer, right? Oh, I'm sorry. We were talking Rockets. Yeah, yeah. So we can talk bad. about Blazers. We can talk about Blazers. <laughs> no, no. I was just throwing guys on teams they've never been on before. He, he used to be a Rocket, and he used to be a Laker as well, but yeah. Oh, man. Yep. You were yep, very convincing, right. Matt. You were very convincing. If I – Yeah. But, you know, if you just say it confidently, people will go along with it. I feel like the NBA, it just, things move around so much, even in a pandemic where, you know, relatively speaking, not much is happening. You kind of still mix up like all the, the different transactions being made and like the players opting out and then other free agents are being signed. But yeah, so moving on to the Blazers. Yeah, I think I feel like we match up pretty well with the rest of the roster there. My only worry is kind of what you were saying about Dame just going off for a few games. I think outside of that, it'd be not an easy series, but I think one the Lakers could definitely handle. Um, do you know anything about their injured players coming back, right? Didn't they have um, Yusuf Nurkic? He was injured this year. Yeah, the last I heard, Nurkic will be back, which I think will make a really big difference. And then I believe John Collins is also supposedly back to full strength. Hassan Whiteside, their center, he's a seven seven foot tall. So I think that that adds to the problem for the Lakers if we lose Dwight Howard. Yeah, uh, I'd say so. I think that against them, just having that rotation of JaVale and AD will be okay, but that does kind of mean either a bigger role for Kuzma or someone else sliding up the positional spectrum. I'm just, uh, I have screenshots of the Western Conference standings, so... OKC, um, like I said yesterday, I think Chris Paul has been carrying them. Um, besides Steven Adams, like their team, they're, it's mostly just like really young people, right? But to that three-guard lineup, I think that could be a real nightmare for us just because we have guards, but I don't think we have three guards who can be chasing those guys around and defending them very effectively. Dennis Schroeder, um, Shea Gilgis, 
Alexander. I think they're pretty. They're 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 coming up there. I think they're. But Chris Paul is the only person, along with Stephen Adams, who are solid playoff veterans. I think. Gallo doesn't scare you at all. Gallo does scare me. Yeah, but most of their team is just like people I've never heard of before. Or, yeah, I agree. And I think that kind of to counter my own point here, Gallo isn't really going to create a lot on his own. So I think that when you get worried about a guy like Gallo is when Chris Paul is playing really well, right? Like when you have to respect him so much that now Gallo is going to be open for a kick out. Which of the first round matchups are you most excited to watch? I feel like there might be some interesting ones, even in the first round. Sure. Looking at the standings right now, I, I'm exci- I'd be excited to see Clippers at number two versus Luka at number seven. Hey, and hey, like, you know, as a Laker fan, we'd, we'd love if Luka would, like, eliminate them in the first round for us. That'd be pretty interesting. And that, that would totally affect, like, Kawhi and PG on their contracts, right? Because they're only on, what is it, uh, two years plus, like, a third-year player option. So if it doesn't go well, like, it could be really bad. Oh, definitely. I think that would just be such a historical series, too, because Luka's ascendancy, MVP candidacy, knocks off one of the best teams in the West. Like, I think it would be a really interesting storyline, not just this year, but moving forward when we're looking back on uh, Luka's early career. You know you know how usually um, in the first-round matchups, usually the higher seed wins? But with everything that's been happening, do you think that those numbers might change this year where there could be potential, like there could be um, March Madness type upsets in the playoffs, even though, even though it's not like a a single game elimination tournament, of course, but do you think there's a chance? Definitely. I think just because of the nature of us, of the extended series, as opposed to a single game, it'll never be that mad. Um, But I think that there's just so much more variance because now there's really no way to tell who will be the most rusty, you know, who um, kind of had time to work on the team chemistry, who's still trying to get plays together. Um, So I think it'll be kind of interesting because we just don't know what's going to be out on the floor. Nikola Jokic um, tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, I haven't heard any reports of like any NBA players like testing positive, but they had to go through like really, I think, I think one or two of them said they, they kind of lost their sense of smell, but otherwise like I haven't heard of any reports saying like they have to deal with long-term health effects that will affect their play. No, and Jokic has just been going, like, in a tumble recently. I mean, it's been crazy from the photos of him just ripped and super skinny now. Um, And then he did test positive, and it's in Serbia. So I think that that might um, complicate things a little bit for him getting back into the bubble. Right. Like, what what I'm getting at here is that, you know, normal people like us contracting the virus and, um, if we're lucky to, you know, survive, we'd have some, we'd possibly have some um, dehabilitating health effects. So I'm curious as to the late, the, the NBA players that have contracted the virus, like once they get back to practicing again, 
and playing 5v5 in real games, like, are they going to start noticing the, you know, just like, hey, like, why does my body feel a little weird? And they were one of the people that contracted the virus like months ago. That's just like what I'm wondering. And big picture here, is that going to affect like the outcomes of uh, the series or um, the seating, you know? Yeah, I was actually reading a bit into this. And it's really interesting, um, like the divide between if you test positive with symptoms as opposed to without symptoms. Whereas if you test positive with symptoms, you can't do any physical activity for 14 days. Um, that was linked to a lot of like heart issues, which are especially prevalent in bigger bodied basketball players. So I think that if you test positive with symptoms, that's, you know, 21 days until you're back in basketball shape, ready to contribute. So I think that if something like that happens down the stretch, we could really see some matchups change drastically. Right. Just a, just a thought of mine when I saw the report about Jokic uh, testing positive for that. And we don't, we still don't know if like, the, I think the teams are still doing tests right now or the the results are getting back in. So it'd be more interesting if like even more players test positive. Definitely. If you were a player and there weren't any other like restrictions, how would you feel about going into the bubble? Like, I feel like I keep thinking about it from this outside perspective, but I wonder like what that decision process is like for a player thinking about playing. If I was single and if I had my own place, you know, my parents were taken care of, I would, I would probably go. Um, if I was not single and I had kids and those kids were on summer break. Um, if I was, you know, a LeBron type player, but I was also his age, 35, I'd probably go just because this is like one of my last chances to play basketball. Um, otherwise, like if I'm, let's say, San Antonio Spurs, I probably, I probably would think, think a little harder about that. Because the odds are would not be against uh, would not be in my favor. Even yeah. Worse, even worse, the Phoenix Suns. Come on, Matt. Like the Phoenix Suns, they're no. six games behind the eighth seed. You only have eight chances to try to like like get to get the eighth seed. So. Yeah, honestly, if I'm on the Suns, like the only reason I would show up for something like that would be if you're in a contract year, if you're someone with something to prove, trying to like convert off a two-way or something like that but otherwise there's just so little incentive for those guys to play we're still a couple days away from the deadline for nba teams to report like their roster about who's going to go and who's not it'd be pretty it'd be pretty funny if teams would in the same way as um what happened uh last year uh fiba basketball where they kind of sent their B team instead of their A team. It'd be funny if we get like a bunch of people opting out and then teams like the Suns, the Spurs, and the Kings would be sending their B team to go play. But no, um, I totally agree on that. I think from an organizational level, especially like the Suns, the Spurs, teams like that, there's just so little reason to run out your top line guys for any more than just enough minutes to kind of get them comfortable and worked into the system again. I think we could really see exactly what you're saying. Right. Utah Jazz. Gobert was the first one that tested positive. There's reports of their relationship being at a turmoil. 
Um, and then it was reported that they kind of like mended things up a bit. Um, I saw something that said like professionally they're okay, but like personally they might not be that, you know, close of friends anymore. I I really want to see how their team plays now, just because of what happened. Yeah, and I feel like if that relationship is fractured, they're in a tough spot. Like I I don't know who you could trade someone like Gobert for and get better in the short term. Like I just really don't think there's any way to improve or get fair value for someone like that. We saw what happened with Capella, I think, being traded to the Hawks, but I don't think the Hawks were, you know, super excited to do to do the trade. Yeah, I think deals like that work really well when you have that third team who can take kind of as an intermediary. Um, because especially that's exactly the position the Rockets were in, right? They wanted to trade a current asset but didn't want to get any worse in the short term. So I feel like that's where they kind of rope in the third team to facilitate um, some picks for players. Donovan Mitchell. Those... Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, like, what do you think those calls are like? Like where multiple GMs are trying to coordinate – you know, they all kind of are going back and forth with what they want. And now it's not just a trade between my team and your team. It's I'm sending a player to you and sending a player to this other team. Like, I feel like there's just so much chaos and uncertainty there. I really wonder how those deals kind of get done in the background. I think it's probably just like you described where I want this, you want this, but my owner wants this, but your owner doesn't want it. And uh, this the third team three uh, wants this it's pretty chaotic and I'm pretty sure as uh, as you described I was I was gonna say um, it's sad that the, the the whole center or big man versus a uh, small small player situation as in I probably worded that badly but what, what I mean is like guards versus you know big men um, where Donovan Mitchell is probably valued way higher than Rudy Gobert even though what they despite what they publicly say, I think. Right. And I feel like it's not that I feel like there's a bit of a misconception that the whole center position is being devalued. I feel like it's just that replacements are so cheap and the only skills that are really valued are the ones that get paid for, right? Like you can find a cheap backup center anywhere and really the only ones who get paid are the ones who provide rim protection. And then really the only way to get to like that transcendent status is either be someone who can run the offense like Jokic or be a Miles Turner where you can protect the rim and shoot on the other side. And then I feel like kind of the conventional lumbering center is the only one that's being really driven out of the market. The Gobert situation in Utah is something that I think everyone should be monitoring, should be watching closely for the next couple of years, I think. I think that, you know, is a very generalized summary of the Western Conference, so... Anything else you want to add, Matt? Not really. I think it's going to be a really exciting playoffs. And I feel like as we were kind of going through this exercise, especially like shuffling around the guard rotation, I think there's actually going to be a lot more to learn from the eight games that happened before the playoffs. And I think that those games will give us kind of a better idea of what teams are planning on. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I think I, at least the first two or three days, I'm just going to watch basketball. I'm just going to watch every single game that they play. Or it'd be, I also, I want to know, like, if they're going to, 
if they're going to broadcast each game one by one, or they're going to broadcast like three games at a time. Because I think they have multiple arenas, right? Yeah, that schedule is going to be packed squeezing in those eight games. I mean, we haven't had basketball in months, and we're just going to get hit with it. And I could not be more excited. Yeah. So what I was trying to say was, if they're going to show games back to back to back all day, I think I will, honestly, I will sit and watch all of them for at least the first two or three days. And then afterwards, I'll start to be more selective, I think, and pick out the games that matter. But yeah. Um, last thoughts, Matt, before, uh, before we go. Not really, man. It's just been good to talk to you. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. All right. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Matt. Always an honor, Adam. Have a good one.